Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, July 20th. We begin with a look at the issue of rural crime in Alberta. We speak with Justice Minister Casey Madu for details on a new province-wide town hall series focusing on the issue. Next, we hear about a new pilot program which teaches entrepreneurial skills to university students. We learn all about the Experience Ventures program now being offered by the U of C. Recently, we've heard a lot about cybercrime and staying safe when it comes to spending time online. But are you aware of the risks involved when using open Wi-Fi in hotels, airports, and coffee shops? We speak with a cybersecurity expert for tips on how to keep safe. And finally, we've all been cooped up for the better part of the last year and a half. So, Are you ready to get back out into the real world? We get a refresher course in social skills required to make the transition back to reality. Prior to the pandemic, rural crime was a big issue in our province and uh, was on the rise in rural communities as they struggled to stem the growth of the crime. The pandemic moved the issue to the back burner, but Alberta Justice Minister Casey Madu is hitting the road this week to talk to rural Albertans to get their two cents on what they're seeing. We're joined now by Minister Madhu. Good morning to you, Minister. Hello, Andy. Uh, Good to be with you. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. Now, I know that these town halls are lined up and it's going to keep you busy, but I also understand that since the beginning of the month, you've been uh, talking uh, with different stakeholders, such as uh, municipal councils, indigenous leaders. Uh, What have you heard before these town halls about the current state of rural crime? You know, uh, and the the uh, Albertans all across our province, um, especially in rural Alberta, continues to be concerned with rural crime. It is one. Uh, it is arguably the number one issue I hear from them, and in particular, they continue to be concerned about the persistent uh, problem of the revolving or the so-called repeat offenders. Now, Minister, we know also before the pandemic hit, there were issues with rural folks concerned about response times, etc. Did the pandemic have an an effect on crime in rural areas? Was there an increased number even in reporting? You know, I think um, from the data that I have seen, it, it, it is not clear whether or not the pandemic had any effect. On, on, on rural crime. What, what needs to be said, however, is that there were increased in domestic, a lot of domestic violence, property-related crimes uh, during the pandemic. One of the topics that, that, that comes up from time to time and has certainly been in the conversation over the past couple of years, Mr. Minister, is the Alberta Police Force. Is there <laughs> for, uh, support for this in rural areas? What are you hearing? Uh, absolutely. There is support for for, for us to be able to explore the possibility of establishing our own provincial uh, police service. That said, at the same time, I have also had concern with respect to cost. I think that is one of the reasons why I have embarked on this tour, is to have conversation with rural municipal leaders and rural, rural stakeholders to assure them that should we decide to proceed with, with the provincial police, there would not be additional cost on them. So what are you hoping, Minister, when you do these town halls, when you travel around the province, what are you hoping to, to gain? You're, you're gathering information. I mean, you know people want the Alberta Police Force. What will be the ultimate goal of, you know, showing that you've achieved what you wanted to? The goal, you know, Sue, is to listen to Albertans. Listen to those who are impacted by um, well, the RCMP 
uh, communities who are policed by the RCMP, uh, communities who are impacted by rural crime. I simply want to hear from them. I think it's important that as we move forward, that we take into consideration, and I would argue full consideration of their concerns and what they have to say. I am really looking forward to working with them to make sure that we have, uh, we establish a system that once and for all tackle the persistent perennial question of rural crime. I'm wondering, you want to hear as many voices and, and opinions, I'm sure, on, on this tour. kicks off tonight, uh, uh, July 20th, Tuesday, today, at the MD of Foothills at the Millerville Racing and Agricultural Society at 6 o'clock. Is this something people can just show up, or do they have to register ahead to, to get a seat? There is no registration. This is open to, to all of our rural citizens. No, no registration. Um, that is why I have published the various places across the province that I am having this town hall, um, they just need to show up. And where do they find that in- information, Minister, to find the full schedule of where you'll be? It's on our Alberta.ca website. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Andy, and so you take care. You too. That is Justice Minister and Solicitor General Casey Madu. Alberta is known for its entrepreneurial spirit. And a new pilot program from the UFC's Hunter Hub for Entrepreneurial Thinking can turn that spirit into action for the next generation of business leaders. The executive director of the program, Carrie Damon, joins us. Good morning to you, Carrie. Good morning. Well, thank you for taking the time with us. It's it's called the Experience Ventures Pilot Program. Can you tell us how it works? Uh, I'm very pleased to be here and happy to talk about Experience Ventures. Uh, Experience Ventures is actually a national program that was created by the University of Calgary and the Hunter Hub for Entrepreneurial Thinking. And we have 10 partner universities across Canada. The goal is to help some of the issues that we have seen definitely uh, worse during the pandemic, where students are having a harder time finding placements um, that are paid or just placement in great job opportunities to learn things. Um, So what we've done is get together with our partners and look at some innovative kind of flexible short-term paid placements for students, essentially in innovative startups or social ventures. So we're looking to get a lot of students from diverse background, not just uh, science and technology, arts and others are are totally welcome to use their skills and gain skills through the Experience Ventures program. So uh, contrary to the, you know, the news that was coming before me about, you know, grasshoppers and smoke, (laughs) this is a really great uh, opportunity for the University of Calgary to uh, lead a really innovative program for the nation. Okay, so Carrie, it's it's all about honing students' entrepreneurial thinking skills. So how do you do that? Is it kind of like molding clay? These are all teachable qualities? Well, it's interesting because my own experience was a bit like this, where I was, you know, a, um, kind of a perfectionistic student. And then after uh, doing my degrees, ended up working for entrepreneurs and having a lot of that perfectionism um, taken out of me and and added more risk-taking and and creativity and and building of things. So I think um, if you ask students who naturally want to be entrepreneurs where they get it from, often they've seen it somewhere, a family friend in the family worked for a a really academic entrepreneur, or or it comes from somewhere. They see that it's it's available to them. Um, And so we want to really just broaden that base and have more students be introduced to this growing innovation ecosystem in Calgary and Alberta and beyond. 
um, so that they are less intimidated by and go, wow, you know, maybe I'll stay in Calgary mm. uh, because there's this great, there's these great companies and I can see my skills are valuable. I've made the introductions through these placements and have the connections to build my career here. Carrie, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm wondering, is this is this a program of, of this style, of this nature, unique to Calgary, or do we see other programs like this at other institutions, not just across the province, but across the country? We have the traditional, I think, in experiential learning, there's a lot of four-month internships, or semester-long internships, which are wonderful, and uh, there are national programs for that length of internship in startups. Uh, what we're doing is more short-term student um, <clears throat> get paid for a hackathon uh, for, you know, a couple week, a couple days on a weekend, or they work for uh, about 80 hours, two weeks for a startup over the course of a semester on a defined project. And the benefit of having a shorter term placement is it's easier on the startup. They might have just one definable project. So easier to fit a student in, the student gets paid, they don't have to pay. So it's helpful for the startup. Um, but it also appeals to students from uh, diverse backgrounds that may not have a perfect four-month internship um, opportunity in their degree. So they could have multiple, you could see they could be stackable. You could do multiple uh, types of small, small, and try out different projects and, and different companies um, and really build your skills. Carrie, layering. you know, you, you mentioned, you know, keeping these young entrepreneurs in Calgary, and I think that's likely the key, isn't it? As, you know, as we try to diversify our, our economy here in the city and across the province a little bit more, and entrepreneurship really seems to be a big deal. We've got such a great, uh, a vast variety of entrepreneurs in this province. And, and is that sort of the focus then is to, you know, to teach them, but to keep them here and keep them kind of homegrown? Absolutely. I, I think, you know, Calgary's really has a great momentum in the innovation space. There's a lot more funding and, and things that are being built to support entrepreneurs. But, you know, anywhere in Canada, talent is an issue, right? Where you're, where we're, and especially with the pandemic, we're now uh, have a global fight for talent. So we want our students to be part of that global funnel um, and stay in Canada and realize, and especially Calgary, you know, um, and help the companies that are here. When we asked uh, a number of students at the University of Calgary, they aren't aware of this growing innovation community in Calgary, not all of them. So, you know, our goal is to make them more aware that these opportunities exist and ideally entice them um, to have some experiences with companies because I really find that once students, especially from non-traditional backgrounds like arts, see that they're skills are so valuable in these new tech companies that you don't have to be a computer scientist necessarily. Um, it really opens up that world and you can gain a lot of skills um, really quickly through kind of a fast moving startup versus more of a um, defined role, entry level role in a larger company. You know, these, these placements and these relationships within the community when it comes to the, the businesses, how has that, uh, and the different organizations, how's that response been from these organizations that can, you know, not just mentor, but, you know, maybe get some help? Uh, how has that reaction been from the companies? So the, the organization, so what we're, we're doing with our placements is each of the 10 universities has placements uh, in their provinces, and what we're doing is giving them to the innovation organizations. So the Innovate Calgary's, the Platform Calgary's, uh, the Creative Destruction Labs, uh, different incubators and programs at the university that do challenges and competitions. So a lot of it is um, having found the funding to to support what's already going on, um, but also uh, encourage more students because the opportunities are paid. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Carrie. Great program. Love it. Uh, we'll send people to ucalgary.ca slash hunter dash hub. So thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. That's Carrie Damon, executive director of the Hunter Hub for Entrepreneurial Thinking at the UFC. Good stuff. And another reason, yes, as uh, Carrie alluded to, to, to have these students say, you know, Calgary is the place for me to be. You know don't it. Have to, don't have to go keep, elsewhere. Sm- get them smart and then keep them here. Keep them, lock them down, so to speak. <laughs> As we start to travel once again, experts warn about the risks of using public Wi-Fi in hotels. Joining us with details is Patricia Chernoskaita, who is the senior PR manager of Nord Security. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. It's great to be here on your show today. Okay, well, we know using Wi-Fi, for example, at the coffee shop or the mall isn't safe. But even when we're in a hotel room, we need to be careful. I never thought of that. Yeah, exactly. So um, to be fair, it's really there's really not that much difference between um, a hotel Wi-Fi or an airport Wi-Fi or a coffee shop Wi-Fi. So they're all really public networks that multiple people can join into and multiple people can use. And they all have really um, similar uh, issues, uh, let's say. So, for example, they all have uh, really weak passwords that connect them. Or, um, sorry, um, I there was uh, some network issue here. Okay. Uh, at- about uh, as we talk about public Wi-Fi, um, but yeah. So as I was saying, they um, they all have uh, similar uh, threats that uh, that join them, as I say, and they're all um, they all have uh, really weak passwords that protect them. Patricia, can you tell us exactly how this works? Because I think you know, for somebody like myself who just maybe wants to check Facebook or Instagram at a cafe or, for example, at a hotel, or maybe I want to stream a movie. How how does somebody nefarious, uh, you know, hack my system, so to speak? How does this work? Okay, so there are, um, there are different ways of, uh, of how hackers can abuse these, uh, these type of public Wi-Fi uh, connections. Um, so, for example, as I mentioned before, um, they all have really weak passwords. So first thing to know is that if you can connect to the public Wi-Fi really easily, so can hackers. Uh, so, for example, let's say this hotel Wi-Fi has a really weak password connect, uh, that, uh, that it uses to protect the Wi-Fi. For example, password123. Um, hackers have systems that can connect and get these passwords in less than a second. So that's the first thing. Um, then once connected, once a hacker connects to this public Wi-Fi that you are on, um, as well as the hacker, uh, they can snoop on your online activity. They can steal sensitive information, such as passwords, um, and they can do that by installing uh, malware on guests devices. Um, malware is uh, literally malicious software. Um, it, otherwise, it's known as a virus, and uh, it can infect your uh, device, and in this, this way, it can um, steal your sensitive information. Now, in more extreme scenarios, if we talk specifically about uh, hotel Wi-Fi, um, it, it can, uh, the hacker uh, can also hack into the hotel database. Uh, and download, for example, guest credit card information. Now, I'm saying this um, in more extreme scenario because most of the time a hotel administration has a different Wi-Fi, but um, some smaller hotels are using the same Wi-Fi connections as, um, as the guests as well. 
Patricia, so, I'm good. So that's, that's I'm, I'm going to jump sorry. in because I, I don't want you to run out of time. And I know you're with Nord Security. So we need to know, are there ways we can protect ourselves when, for example, we're in a hotel? Yes, of course. Um, so there's multiple things that you can do. So, for example, one is uh, to use mobile data. Now, of course, uh, I understand that, you know, there's not always an option to use mobile data. So there are ways that you can use the public Wi-Fi and still be secure. So um, first things first is uh, you shouldn't make any purchases or reservations using uh, public Wi-Fi. So really uh, the best thing uh, to do is if you're making a purchase where you have to enter your credit card information, for example, uh, you should switch to mobile data because that's way more secure. And you don't want to give out uh, your really, um, your, the most sensitive information such as credit cards um, uh, on the public Wi-Fi. Um, another thing that's, uh, that is really um, important and to, that you can really uh, do to make yourself more secure when using a public Wi-Fi is to use a VPN. Uh, so Nord Security offers a tool that's called Nord VPN. Uh, VPN is uh, a simple tool that can encrypt your online yep. data and add a security layer over the public Wi-Fi. We're going to have to leave it there for time, uh, Patricia, but uh, we can send people to Nord, N-O-R-D, nordsecurity.com. Full info there, I, I, I would guess. Yes, uh, so uh, nordsecurity.com or nordvpn.com. Perfect. We need to do what we need to do to be safe because we're going to be traveling a lot. Thank you so much for your time, Patricia. We appreciate it. Thank you so much to you. You as well. That is Patricia Chernoskaita, Senior PR Manager for Nord Security. And do you remember how to eat politely in front of other people? How to make small talk? What do you do with your hands? Do you even shake hands? Let's face it, after 16 months of lockdowns and stay-at-home orders, a lot of us may have forgotten some of those little things when it comes to our social skills. So, Tina Iaquinta, the founder of Modern Concierge, is here to help us with our transition back into the world. Good morning, Tina. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. You know, we're social animals, but it's been a very different world for us. So is it going to be tough, do you think, to sort of re-enter polite society again, or, or will we pop right back into it? I think it'll take a little bit longer than we expected, but I think I, I, I'm not anticipating this will take too long. I, we're already seeing it that as people are going back to restaurants, once you're in there, it kind of eases, it, eases you in and it gets a little bit easier. The handshakes are a big one. Yes. <laughs> so people just don't know what to do with their hands anymore. <laughs> so awkward. Oh, do I fist bump or can we shake hands? Do we hug? What do we do? Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a tough one. And a lot of people, a lot of organizations we're finding are actually making the rules about those before they even have meetings. So they set rules. They have stickers sometimes. And people say, okay, I'm comfortable hugging. I'm not comfortable. Or if it's a fist pump or don't even come near me. So mm. it's, it's actually quite funny. It's interesting because you say uh, quite funny. Humor is a part of it, but there could be some truth to this next primer that you say. Uh, one of the one of the points is how to wear hard pants. Um, <laughs> now, are, are we a little too attached to our comfy, stretchy pants? Because yeah, this could be something for people wearing restrictive clothing when oh, they have not for so long. You're not kidding. I know, and, and everybody knows exactly what hard pants are. After <laughs> Once they look at it, they're like, what, what does that mean? And then they think about it, and they're like, no, 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 I get it. <laughs> and everywhere you go, like if you walk into a lot of stores right now, you're going to see a lot of soft pants. Um, and I think I, you know, I think it'll take a few months, but we'll get out of there, I'm sure. And we'll get back into our hard pants. <laughs> now, you've done a survey, your group of Canadians showing the biggest fear for most of us is going to a party. Is So uh, it's getting back to that small talk and just, you know, kind of figuring out how that works again. How, how, what do we do? 
Um, I think we just need to go easy on ourselves and ease into it. I mean, if we go into back into, you know, these clubs where there's a thousand people or parties with hundreds of people, it's going to be overwhelming. And, you know, truthfully, we are finding in the in some of the uh, U.S. states there, some of these big parties are producing a lot more COVID cases. So I think Canadians are a little bit more cautious. Um, we're, we're not going straight into those big parties. And I think um, as long as we do that carefully, I think we'll be okay. It just, we need to be easy on ourselves and not just jump right back in. Um, although we're seeing a lot of our clients are ready to travel and they're ready to party, but the parties aren't quite, you know, at 100 people, they're more at like 25 right now. And then slowly we'll get there probably by early, by later this year, early next year. Tina, could part of the problem be that when this came down, the restrictions were like whammo right in place and we all had to get on the same page there. Uh, But as uh, when we're reemerging from the pandemic, it's not a one size fits all. And some people... And, you know, might be moving at a different speed than others. Yeah. And, and honestly, it depends on who um, the people are. We, we, you know, we're doing events or parties at people's homes right now. And they're very cautious. They ask questions like, is everyone coming to our house going to be double vaccinated? So those are now new questions that we're getting from our clients. And we need to ask our partners who are, you know, doing the services, the all of the, that stuff, they need to tell us, like, are you double vaccinated? Because people have immune-compromised people in the parties or kids in the party. So it's uh, it's turning a little bit of a different direction, but I, you know, people still want to do it. So we're finding ways to make things happen for everybody questions, at different levels. Yeah, questions, concerns, help. We're sending people to modernconcierge.com. Thanks for joining us, Tina. Good luck with hard pants to all of us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Tina Hayaquinta is the founder of Modern Concierge. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.